Hi, this is Erica Monique, and I am the host and creator of Natural Soul Conversations, the platform for people that are black persuasion, that are melanated, however you want to call it. You know, right now we call ourselves black, African-Americans, Afro-Americans, a black first, whatever. If you look like us, this is the place for us, all right? We're going to talk about everything from pop culture to politics, science, finance, health, education, and you know we're going to talk about sticky relationships. Whatever it is, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to do it as a family. And you know, just like with our families, we might argue, we might not disagree, but we're going to do it as a family. We're going to keep it cute, and we're going to respect each other. So sit back, relax, and Let's have that conversation. Welcome back to Natural Soul Conversations. I'm your host, Erica Monique. And today we are going to be having a conversation with Mr. Ed Brown. He is an attorney based in, where are you based? I didn't even ask you that. I You retired now. I am in, yeah, well, somewhat, somewhat, but. I'm I'm in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Okay, okay. So based in Charleston, mm-hmm. you know what? Let the best thing to do because you are a new friend not only to the our podcast family but also to me. So how about I just let you go ahead and um, share a little bit of your personal information, education, your professional uh, career, and we're just gonna get to know you together. How about that? That sounds good to me. Oh. Well, I think you've already said my name. Yes. Edward, um, professionally, the name is Edward M. Brown. I am the youngest of 10 children. Wow. Um, I was born and reared on one of the barrier islands off of the coast of South Carolina. Mm. I was mm. also, uh, the majority of my early life, up until the end of high school was spent on a farm. Mm. Uh, My father owned a farm, and he had us working on the farm during the course of the day and in the summertime, that is, and Mm. after school during the school year, I mean, during the the year, um, during the, the year, the time of the year when school was in session, mm-hmm. uh, we would work in, we would have to work on the farm in the evening too. Mm. Um, it was a, yeah, I thought it was a very hard life then mm-hmm. um, because a young child is not, I mean, I just like any other young child, I didn't want to do all that hard work. <laughs> but that hard work really um, created in me and my siblings a work ethics. Yes. That was um, that is still there today. One of the things that my father did that I found very very um, odd then was that he would assign tasks at the beginning of the day before we went to school, and when we came back home from school, those tasks had to be um, accomplished. Mm-hmm. And if one child did not complete the task and everybody got punished mm. and I, I never understood that because why should I get punished if my brother didn't finish what he was supposed to do mm-hmm. well 
the the thought there was that we would help one another to complete all the tasks that needed to be done. Mm. Now, I need to mention, my father had a regular job. Mm. And so we, uh, myself and the primarily the older children, mm-hmm. did most of the farming work on the farm. Um, my, my mother was a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. We, when we came home from school, there was always um, a meal there ready. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had to, after you ate, you had to go to the farm. And that would be until dark. Mm. And you would come home and you had to do the homework. And if mm. you, when my father got home from his regular job, he would check everybody's homework. Wow. And if the homework was not properly completed, uh, the consequences were dire. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's another way of saying that it would be... Um, Corporal punishment in yes. both. <laughs> yeah, and wow. and and um, I, my mother died when I was fourteen. Mm. My father died when I was nineteen. Oh. My freshman year in college, mm. and um, as one of my friends said, I had every reason to fail, but mm. failure was never going to be an option for me. Wow! After wow. graduating from high school, I went to a, I got a scholarship to a small HBCU in Dallas, Texas, by the name of Bishop College. Mm-hmm. It's no longer in existence. Mm-hmm. At the end of my second year at Bishop, or during my second year at Bishop, I received what is called a crown, what was called a Crown Zellerbach Fellowship to study and c- complete my education at the University of California at Berkeley. Mm. Um, that was a fellowship that allowed me to reap at the end of every month, or at the beginning of every month, $200 in stipend. Mm-hmm. Now, in the 19, in 1969, 19, 1969, that was a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I graduated from Berkeley, um, went to the private sector for about, eight to nine months, and I realized that I was that was not my calling, that I wasn't cut out to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was more, I, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term of window dressing. Okay. But window dressing was, uh, they needed a black face, in, and it was um, New England Tell and Tell, that was the name of the company. Mm-hmm. So they hired me, but... Uh, yeah, I had no. I mean, the things that they assigned for me to do, I would be finished in less than two hours, <laughs> and it was a struggle for me to stay awake the yeah. rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I went to law school. I graduated from law school, and um, and after graduating from law school, I passed the bar. Mm-hmm. I started. I went directly into private practice. I hung out a shingle, and mm-hmm. 42 years later, uh, here I am. Wow. Wow. I want to ask you something, though. Um, you mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you said you are the youngest of 10 children, 10, uh, off, uh, 10 siblings. Uh, That's correct. Are, and, and you all received, I'm assuming, the same upbringing. Are your siblings, uh, did they uh, obtain the amount of success uh, that you or and it may and success, you know, is different for each person. I guess what right, I mean is, is, um, is it is it evident the work ethic? But with if we look at all of you, is, can you see that work ethic that your parents instilled in you? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I have um, as an example. And, you know, like you said, success means different things to different people. Yes. I have um, a sibling that's uh, a doctor, another sibling that's um, an educator, Mm -hmm. uh, another sibling that is a um, long-distance truck driver, Mm -hmm. another sibling that was an entrepreneur. So they did did a number of things, and and all of them were fairly successful, well, relatively successful at their chosen endeavors. Right, right. Wow, I mean that's uh, it's crazy. I'm I just can't imagine uh, being one of a large family. I have two siblings, so it's three of us. My mother is actually one of um, sixteen. Uh, okay. Yeah, and but I'm just saying, I these large families, no, they just please. Yeah, yeah, they just they they fascinate me. But my sister, you know, my youngest sister, she. Um, has like six and I'm, I'm like, Oh my God, that's so many. But then I think about my mother, she was one of 16 and, Ooh, you know, uh, after three, I'm thinking, Oh, it's just too many. Now I don't have any children. So I actually, I probably think one is too many, but, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but definitely like when you get past like three and you get into four, five and up, Oh my God. Oh, so I just, but I'm sure that, you know, like a lot of families, your family, you, you probably, you know, not only did were there chores to be done, but they were probably like the older kids probably had responsibilities with regards to looking out for the younger, the younger uh, siblings. They did. Yeah, they yeah. did. And um, they were they were more or less put in charge. Mm-hmm. And, but but being in charge meant that you had to make sure that all the chores were properly done because mm-hmm. if if the chores weren't done and you were in charge, that didn't spare you the rock. Right. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Now, as, as a matter of fact, I think I think that um that would probably incur more punishment mm-hmm. because you didn't carry out the task as was assigned for you to do, meaning that <laughs> Everyone else is supposed to complete their chores. Yeah. So wait, wait. did you yeah. did you guys, you, the younger ones, did y'all try you, your older siblings? Like, did y'all, you know, try to, you know, uh, get by with not doing some of the work or, you know, just being um, rebellious and, you know. As 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 we well, it's not even me, but the younger people, these kids, they say mm-hmm. they call that trying. So, did you guys ever mm-hmm. try the patience of your older siblings? Well, I, I'm I'm sure we did, <laughs> but the those older siblings 
had the authority, the mm. explicit authority, mm-hmm. to also inflict corporal punishment. Mm, okay, so all right. <laughs> there, there was, there was, there was. You know, you you push back, but yeah, uh, there was a line. Okay, and when, once that line was crossed, you you know you yeah. would you would incur the wrath. And oh. <laughs> so for me, it made no sense to get a beating twice. Right. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> if, you, if you didn't do it. Oh. Uh, when you were supposed to, you would get one from the older sibling, mm-hmm. and when you got home, there's mm. another one. So mm. I said, "Yeah, my um, my philosophical approach is, <laughs> you know, just go ahead and do it." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, I, you know, I just I had to ask that question just because I'm mm-hmm. kind of one of those. I, well, I'm the oldest, so you know, but you know, I do have like one of these sometimes devious minds, and I'm like, well. What, mm-hmm. well, what 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 would have happened if I would have you know if I would have not done something you know? But let me ask you. Let me <laughs> let me get into the book though. Why why did uh-huh. you decide to write this book? This book was written because it portrays the lives of real mm. human beings. Mm-hmm. It portrays how this. American judicial system can be so devastating mm. to you if you are a black person in general mm-hmm. or a poor person and specifically a black male. Mm. Um, I was on the golf course one day with a Caucasian friend mm-hmm. and he asked me, um, what do I think about the American judicial system? How is it operating? As well as operating, and it's doing exactly what it was designed to do, and mm. that is that was to keep black people in check, mm. um, not for us to realize the potential that we are supposed to be able to secure under the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we just—it's. It, it's designed for the purpose of keeping us oppressed. And I thought that if I could put into words some of the the trials and the tribulations of the ordinary person Mm -hmm. that goes into the courtroom, not not the George Floyd or the, um, the ones that you see on TV. Right. Um, because of some dastardly act that a police officer or a judge has engaged in. These were people that I represented. These were live human beings. Mm. These people had lives, um, and we, and their lives were significantly altered, mm-hmm. if not um, disrupted, because of this judicial system. Mm. So I thought that um, one way of, of conveying what happened and what is happening to poor and people of color, the poor and people of color, was to put it in writing in this book. Mm-hmm. That's what inspired me. Mm. You know, um, <clears throat> as you were talking, I was. Well, let me ask you this, because I do you need to get that? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I uh, let me ask you this while I am, because I, I want to pull up something um, 
that I, I read. It was at the very beginning of the book. But until I pull, find that, let me ask you this. You you said that you asked uh, that your Caucasian friend or non-melanated friend asked you asked you what you thought about the judicial system. And when you answered him, uh, did he offer any pushback or justification? <laughs> Well, you know, he no, he did not. But mm-hmm. he, and and he did, he did offer some pushback because the 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 context of the conversation was um, regarding Colin Kaepernick's um, kneeling for the national anthem, mm-hmm. and he thought that that was so disrespectful to the mm-hmm. American flag. And, and I, my comment to him was that has nothing to do with the American flag. Mm-hmm. You have drunk the Donald Trump Kool-Aid. Absolutely. It, it has nothing to do with the American flag. It has to do with the oppression, the police brutality. Mm-hmm. That arm of the government being used to keep black people oppressed. Mm-hmm. And we, we had a very lively discussion. And mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, he owed me $50 because I beat him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, that's a way to stick it to the man. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, it, it just it's it's just very interesting. Um, and I do want to because even though that was, you know, the, let me just bring up the whole uh, kneeling thing. The reason why I had a problem with it, and uh, let me rephrase that: the reason why I had a problem with people having a problem with it is because mm-hmm. I used to I used to be in the marching band in high school and mm-hmm. in college. And during the game, now I know these are kids, but I, I could, I could, you know, look at the stands and see grownups, parents. Okay. And during the, um, the national anthem, cause we had to play it at the beginning of every game. That was a time for people to get up, get a hot dog or some kind of refreshment, uh, you know, do whatever they were, they were going to do except for, you know, stand and put their hand over their heart and actually, you know, pay homage or whatever, right? They they didn't do any of those things, you know? And so mm-hmm. now, and, and honestly, you know, before Colin, you can, you know, you can look up in the stands, you know, like at any game, baseball games, or you know, that I've gone to, and I'm talking about now like semi-professional because I've never been to a professional one. Um, but it was always a time to get up, get a beer, talk to this, do this, do that, do that. But now all of a sudden that somebody actually kneels, which to me seemed to be very respectful, just, it, just in and of itself, you know, um, now there is an issue. You know, now there's this fake patriotism, you know, we shouldn't be doing this, but that's, but we've never observed it. And I I know this because I have always been in a position where I've observed people during that time, you know, because when you, when you play music for a while, you, after, after a while, you, you just memorize the music, you know, and then if you're somebody like me, your mind gets to wondering because you know, the song is so boring and I, I'm just being honest to me. It is so uh-huh. boring that I could, you know, have 10 things going on in my head, be watching what's going on around me and not miss a note. 
Okay. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I had a lot of time to observe what was going on around me. And I never, there will be a few, a few that will stand up and actually observe and, you know, during that time. But um, that was never the case. And so um, that, it just really, although I've always, I can't say always, I had, I had begun to realize the hypocrisy of some of the people who don't look like us. But that was the, the, real, the first real time that it really um, stuck with me because there were people who um, were my friends that are non-melanated. And that was a big deal. That was like a, you know, that was like the, the game changer for them. Oh, no, no, no. You know, and anybody who would kneel or show any kind of uh, uh, what they thought was anti-patriotic behavior, now all of a sudden, you know, this is a problem when they never observed it in the first place, you know. and Well, mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, and that just really, that really started my my journey into, um paying attention to some of the privileges that some of us have versus mm-hmm. others. You know what I'm saying? Like I never, mm-hmm. I knew it was there, but you, you don't like know, know it until that one revelatory thing happens. And then it's like your eyes yeah. begin to open. And that was really uh, one of the, one of the major things that happened in my life. And we know that that, that was not too long ago. And I'm I'm touching I'm touching half a century, so I have been living in a state of delusion for a long time. You know. Well, you know, I I wonder, and I don't wonder too much about it because I think I know the answer. Mm-hmm. If Colin Kaepernick was Caucasian, mm. there would not have been an no. issue. No, um, the issue was the issue for them, for those who thought it was unpatriotic. Mm-hmm. Um, was that he had you know you have a black man protesting mm. and this country has never never appreciated or liked black people protesting their lot right. protesting against oppression mm. and that's how they reacted and, yeah. and you know you had the, you had the, um, the president saying what he said so mm-hmm. That just egged on all those people that voted for him, or mm. all those people who thought similar to how he thought. So right. I, I don't, I don't, I don't put any stock in this nonsense about it being <laughs> unpatriotic. No, that's that's ridiculous. Right, right. Uh, well, yeah. well, you've had you've had a long, extensive career dealing, like on a professional level. Um, with uh, certain aspects of racism and discrimination. But I want to ask you, because uh, your your book is, I don't know, what, 22, 23 uh, chapters long? They're st- chapters. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're, they're short chapters, mm-hmm. but, you know. They are. <laughs> what, what was your favorite chapter, if you had one? Or what was the chapter that really, um, like, really impacted um, you during the writing process? Well, I, I, I think I don't have per, per se a favorite chapter, but yeah. one of them, the one chapter that, that sticks out like a sore thumb in, in what I was trying to do or what I'm trying to do, and that is 
expose the systemic racism in this judicial system mm-hmm. is the chapter that dealt with um, the VA, mm. uh, the Veterans Administration, mm-hmm. and that that was that was so um, dev- devastating to me. Mm. Not that it happened, because I knew that kind of stuff happened. It's chapter twenty-four, by the way, mm-hmm. the VA. Um, but that there was such candor by the proponents or the the people who committed the discrimination mm. and this attitude, so what? Mm. It's not going to cost me anything. Mm-hmm. And that, that's one of the problems with the, uh, the laws that supposedly correct or corrected the discriminatory conduct of the majority class against the minority class. Mm-hmm. Um, no one pays a penalty personally. Right. Uh, most of my experiences have been, especially in the federal government, against the federal government, mm-hmm. um, with those agencies. Um, they pay, the, the government pays the money, mm-hmm. and the person who has committed the discriminatory act or engaged in the discriminatory conduct is often rewarded. Right. Um, like, for instance, this this chapter, in this chapter, the my client, who was Hispanic, mm-hmm. um, you know, followed everything to the letter. Yeah. She was the most qualified. She, the second most qualified person was a, um, an African-American woman. Mm-hmm. And the selecting official was white. Mm-hmm. Now, she decided that she was not going to promote either one of those ladies to a nurse executive position. Wow. So she told her friend, I guess, you submit an application and I'll promote you. <sighs> well, you know, the very minimum you need to do in order to secure a job is to apply for it. Mm-hmm. This lady did not complete an application Wow. And the application that she did sit, uh, send supposedly um, to apply for this job was one that she submitted almost two years before for another job. Wow. But wow. They, promote, they promoted her. Um, and, you know, she, when, I, when I questioned in a deposition mm-hmm. the... Um, the facility director, that is the local site, that facility director, he said, well, I don't get involved in personnel matters. Mm. You know, and my question to him was, so how is it that you get a job that you haven't applied for? Well, mm. I don't get involved in personal matters. Is she still there? Wow. I don't get involved in personal matters. Now, he's the facility director. Can you imagine right. that? Wow. Well, uh, yeah. sadly, I can <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. I should I should yeah. be able to say no, but yeah, I can. Um, I, but you know, it's interesting because when you in recounting that that particular chapter, I'm actually thinking about, um, and I called it, and I didn't put it in 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 our um, my notes to you, but I called it white privilege. It was uh, you. It was the chapter about the um, the U.S. Navy officer or or um, um, servicemen 
and uh, mm-hmm. how he was uh, charged with ro- with robbery. And I, I think what you subpoenaed mm-hmm. the 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 EO uh, to to uh, a, a EXO EXO. I'm sorry, the EXO. Yes, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, the EXO, okay. and mm-hmm. and he he wouldn't show up. And then what the judge said, well, you know, if he doesn't show up, I'm you know he's gonna be uh, he'll have to go to jail or something to that regards. But the, right. the gag right. was. Or, or the 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 trick of this was that the prosecutor what was the ex roommate or the roommate uh, in college to uh, yeah. to the XO right and so right because he didn't want to <laughs> see his roommate go to jail uh, he dropped the case right he did they dismissed the case right yeah. so I mean if that's not white privilege and so you know it's like they have all these different it shows up in different ways like. You know, yeah, and yeah. it it could have been this woman, uh, pro- you know, it's possible that she probably didn't necessarily want the job, you know. But, you know, I mean, this is here's a, a situation and they, it it was possible that they probably, you know, added some perks, you know, just to keep, you know, the, uh, you know, the qualified black or Latina from, um you know, being chosen mm-hmm. for the job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Well, one of the one of the things, one of the good that was that act was so blatant. One mm-hmm. of the things that they did do, um, they did. I think they made her resign. I have no personal knowledge of that, but about two months after the case was settled, she resigned. Mm. Now that the selecting official, mm-hmm. the selecting official, um, um, I had deposed in discrimination cases probably about six or seven times prior to that. Mm-hmm. So we had a history. I, I mm. had a history. And every time I would get up to a deposition, you know, subpoena her to come to a deposition, I would say, Miss Frago, how are you? <laughs> so nice to see you again. <laughs> but, um, that was psychological warfare. And, <laughs> yeah, well, well, it was. You, you have to. Yeah. You, know, you, you have to do what you need to do yes. to prevail, especially... If you have my hue of the epidemic mm-hmm. and the client is similar to mm. my uh, to mine. Now the the other the other part of that chapter was that is the first time in my entire that was the first time in my entire professional career when I I I had a witness on the witness stand mm-hmm. in a discrimination case before a judge that said he used the word, the N word, in reference to my client. Yes, yes. <laughs> that I was, I was aghast. Yeah, you know, all I mean, all the times prior to that, when you asked that question, mm-hmm. they, uh, the witness, who the Caucasian witness, would say, "No, I've, ne- I've never used that term." Right. So you know, that was a lie. That <laughs> it's coming from the stand, and they're supposedly on the oath. Mm-hmm. But when that guy, when um, his, his name was Delagusa. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, "I could have said that," mm. and 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 the judge looked at me and at the um, at the agency counsel, mm-hmm. and it was one of those looks like uh, agency counsel. Did you bring your checkbook with you today? Because <laughs> 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 you know that was ranking. That was mm-hmm. just ranking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you well, you also had another occasion um, where. Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, you titled it "Fat uh, Fathead." 
Um, yes. Um, And he he, he was a sitting U.S. District Court judge. Court judge. And he blurted out nigger. I don't even like saying the word, but nigger. And then he immediately called for a recess, right? Or, um, or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He did. He did. And mm-hmm. but but you know really the takeaway for me in that was that you initially uh, immediately saw hey wait a minute you know we, now we have we have we've kind of leveled the playing field you know and I can you know I can maneuver this way and your client refused to take your advice. He did. He did. He was one. My client was one of three defendants in the case. He was black. The other defendants were Caucasian. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, immediately after the judge uh, said what he said, uh, um, the lawyers for the other two defendants rushed over to me and said, Now, Ed, he didn't say that. You didn't, he, he didn't say that. You didn't hear that. I said, How in the hell are you going to tell me right. what I heard? I know what I heard. <laughs> and, um, but, mm. you know, I, I didn't. I didn't lose a lot of sleep over the fact that my client would not allow me to get this judge mm. to recuse himself. Not that he would have, but right. I would have. I could put that on the record, and for appeals, mm-hmm. uh, appellate purposes, right? Um, you know, that would have been very. That would have bode very well for him. But he yes. said no. The jury came back with a verdict against him, and um, a verdict of guilty against him and one uh, a verdict of guilty against one of the other defendants mm-hmm. and um i didn't lose any sleep over that because you mm-hmm. know he he didn't listen uh, yeah. he who has himself for a lawyer has a fool for a client Mm-mm-mm. but see you had and you had yet another similar situation in the rape case oh right? yeah that was that's that's always yeah that's always the best. yeah you know, it, it's it, this 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 concept of of white women and black mm, men mm. and sexual liaisons mm-hmm. between them has has poisoned this American judicial system. Mm-hmm. Um, this case was a clear case of two people having um, a romantic desire for each other. Yeah. Unfortunately, one of them were married. Mm. white woman to mm. a white man in a small southern town. Mm-hmm. And when it became known that this white guy's wife was seeing and having sexual relationships or sexual encounters with this black man, mm-hmm. well, his reputation had to be redeemed. Mm. And that's how they try to redeem the reputation it wasn't it wasn't consent it was rape Mm. and that case occurred in the early 80s late 70s early 80s and Mm -hmm. we were less than 30 years removed from the Emmett Teal case and the Melvin Ingram case and that kind of conduct you know Emmett Mm -hmm. Teal was was brutally killed for supposedly recklessly eyeballing a white Mm -hmm. woman Um, so this was a case that was, that was more than reckless eyeballing. I mean, eyeballing. These people had, uh, you know, a, a sexual relationship, mm-hmm. and 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 apparently, 
it was more than that. I think they had a genuine love for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as the case developed, and as we went down to try the case on that specific day, I wasn't the lead counsel. I was the youngest of the two lawyers, two other lawyers that were there. Mm-hmm. But I, but I was I was prepared to take the prosecutor to task. Mm. But you can't you 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 can't as a lawyer you cannot let your ego get in the way because right. if if it goes south on you if it goes bad you you the lawyer goes home the client the client will go to jail right and so um, you know we went back and forth back and forth and he started out with 15 years if he pled guilty and um, by the end of the day. That was down to um, one year and probation or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. one year and probation. Mm-hmm. But I during that during the negotiation process, I had an opportunity to go to the restroom, mm-hmm. and this black man, another black guy, stopped in the in the um, hallway, and I observed the alleged victim and her husband in that hallway. Mm. And there was no consoling by him of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that I am I am dismissive of anyone that has been violated, male or female, mm-hmm. but this was a situation where this uh, lady, who was Caucasian, did not want to be anywhere around that courthouse testifying against her lover. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's something that I felt, something that I saw. And then when our eyes interlocked, mm-hmm. she shook her head at me. And that indicated to me that, look, I'm not, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. And the husband was approximately 10 to 15 feet away from her. Mm. Wow. So if you are um, a rape victim, and truly need to be consoled, mm-hmm. your husband would be there with you. Absolutely. So, uh, but in any event, you know, he uh, he took he took the one year. That would not have been my call. That I would not have done that. I was prepared to try the case, and I think we could, I think we could have um, won, won the case quite. Mm-hmm. I think we I think we would have. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, it was not my call. It was the client's call. Yeah, but th- and that brings up a, you know. Uh, a point that was, was that's stuck in my my head. Um, wait a minute, I'm having little pop ups pop up in front of my questions. Anyway, um, but what stuck in my head was, you know, we have been our people have been so victimized um, psychologically that he wasn't willing to um, go that one last step and say, you know what, I'm gonna put it on the line. And I'm going to let you do your job and, and trust that we have a very good shot of winning. You know what I'm saying? He mm-hmm. he just, yeah. you know, and it's not it was it's not just him. We, I think, as a whole um, have been in such a, you know, a a state where, you know, we're just, in a lot of cases, we're just trying to get by. OK, we'll take this 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 right. lesser charge just to let you know just to move on 
you know, and mm-hmm. not, and mm-hmm. other races don't necessarily approach situations that way. You know what I'm saying? No, right. Mm-hmm. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't get that far with them because, and it never, in some instances, it never, that never happens because mm-hmm. it, the initiation of, of, of the criminal process begins with a complaint by an alleged victim. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've witnessed it. I've seen cases where uh, white police officers have stopped black boys for no reason mm. or, or any reason. Mm-hmm. And um, I've seen cases where they've stopped white kids and drunk, Mm-hmm. Drinking beer, drinking liquor, they they the police officer calls their parents mm. and tell them to come get the child. Mm. They don't do that for our children. Mm-hmm. Our children go to jail. They're charged with misdemeanors or felonies. And if you're charged with a felony and you plead guilty and you're a black person, well, you know your 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 uh, chances in this structure mm-hmm. is. Uh, significantly reduced in yeah. terms of you, in terms of being successful. Yeah, um, especially if you're a black man, it's just right. It's just hard. You, you know, I I want to because we've heard many of us have heard it, but we don't really understand the whole convent leasing system, how that came about, and and how that even plays a part even to into today's legal and judicial system. Can you give us just a little brief, a small overview of, of leasing, content, yeah. a convict leasing system? Yeah, well, after the Civil War, um, the Southern plantation owners and had no more free labor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the free labor was instrumental in this America becoming the economic power uh, that it is now. Mm. So uh, the, the South, South economy was devastated, and they, need, they needed that free labor mm-hmm. in order to produce the cotton and the other cash crops. So Congress um, put an escape clause for them in the 13th Amendment. Now, mm-hmm. all the 13th Amendment did was outlaw slavery. Mm-hmm. But it said that you could, there, you could, if a person was legally imprisoned, then that was not slavery. You could do that. Mm. Well, then the the the, the southern states um, passed these vagrancy laws, these black code laws, mm-hmm. for the purpose of making black people more subject to the clutches of those laws. I mean, mm. what, 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 what they did, what it did was uh, criminalize poverty. It yes. criminalized being black. Mm-hmm. And so the convicted, uh, convict leasing was that if you are found guilty, and most of them are war, mm-hmm. then you are sentenced to hard labor. Mm. And the sheriff of the county or the jurisdiction where the alleged vagrancy or violation occurred mm-hmm. then ha- has the ability to lease the prisoner out to 
plantation owners, mm. to the mining company, and to the railroad. Mm-hmm. Now, the prisoner receives nothing, mm. but the the jurisdiction or mm-hmm. the county or the city where the prisoner was convicted received a payment from the lessee, that is, the person who is uh, working the prisoner. Mm-hmm. And that was a... a that was significant in terms of um, the southern United States after the Civil War. That's how a lot of these states um, made their income and, you know, supported state mm. projects. Mm. For instance, in Alabama, um, an example of this, how the state profit from this process, this convicted leasing process, mm-hmm. is a percentage of Alabama's total income generated from convicted leasing increased from 10% in 1846 mm-hmm. to 73% <gasps> in 1889. Oh, my God. So it was, a, it was revenue. Wow. And now the, the, the system was, was horrible for the prisoner or for the person who was convicted, who was almost always black. Mm-hmm. Um, the housing, the feeding, mm. and, the, and all of the overseeing of the, of the convict mm-hmm. was left exclusively to the, lease, to the lessee, the person, you know, the, 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 the owner of the mine right. or the plantation owner. Um, and they suffered, in, I mean, horrible, horrible inhumane mm. treatment mm-hmm. and most of these convicted these convicts were immediately enslaved african american mm-hmm. um they were li- they were 10 times more likely to die mm-hmm. than non-leased convicts wow um in 1870 in in 1873 25% of all black leased convicts died while serving their sentences. Mm. 25% wow. of every 100 man or 100 person, 100 person that they put in this system, 25% of them died. That, mm. That's, I mean, 25 died. That, that, that's inhumane. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. So it was, it was a mechanism by which they uh, put money in the coffers mm-hmm. of the state, the county, or the municipality, and it created a situation that was horrible, absolutely horrible for African Americans and the poor. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were white, if you were white and you were arrested for this under these vagrancy or black code laws, Mm -hmm. they would allow you to uh, escape the the clutches of this system by declaring what is called an oath of poverty. Mm -hmm. And that meant that you were too poor to pay the fine. Well, you know, that that applied to white people, but black people weren't weren't allowed to do that. I mean, although it was there, it was never applicable uh, to black people. So mm-hmm. it was a horrible system. And the question, I think a part of your question is whether or not 
that is still in effect today. Mm -hmm. I would say that it still is. Mm -hmm. You may have heard of chain gangs, Mm -hmm. and um, that's pretty much what a chain gang is. Wow. Uh, Forced labor, convicts who are forced to work on public sector tasks, such as, you know, road road construction, Mm -hmm. ditch digging, farming while chained together. Hmm. And you might remember, um, I think it was in the early early 70s, maybe mid-70s, uh, when you had all of these right-wingers running for president. And mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the harking calls was that we are going to lock these people up and mm. we're going to put them back on the chain gang. Oh, wow. So that's... that's it's still there. And you and let us not forget, uh, Bill Clinton, the Clinton administration mm-hmm. instituted one of the one of the most devastating uh, piece of legislation when it came to black men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that legislation still haunts us, mm-hmm. still haunts us. Mm. Um, you know, there's three strikes and you're out. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. That is that is horrible. It is horrible for us. Yes. Um, and that created, I don't want to say a cottage industry, mm-hmm. it created an industry. And that industry was uh, oh, about $35 billion of mm. building prisons mm. because people were being incarcerated at a significantly higher rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you wow. know, it's, it's, it's still there. So, and and it's mm-hmm. still employed in the prison in the school the prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's 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 there. In my opinion, it is still there. You know what? I'm I didn't I didn't include this in 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 the questions because you know that I, I like for those questions to be uh, like a jumping off parameter. Yeah, a parameter. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But you know. So we have this whole thing that's happening now um, with uh, what do they call uh, uh, critical race theory, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this fight against it, and um, and the argument is, I believe, the argument is that there is no such thing as systemic racism that you know is really lies uh, along individual individuals and not on a systemic basis but here it is we have this i mean this is a very real and one of many examples where you know this indicates or it's evidence of systemic racism is it not oh absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. um the 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 beginning of this book the very first page of this book says this memoir covers but one black lawyer's experience experiences mm-hmm. that addresses a small slice of systemic racism mm-hmm. embedded from its inception mm-hmm. in this republic called America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is systemic, uh, there is systemic racism. Now, getting to the critical race theory, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't understand, and perhaps I do, uh, um, <laughs> Well, let me let me let me rephrase that. I understand why um, the majority culture mm-hmm. does not want the truth to be told. Mm-hmm. When I was in in high school and elementary school, I knew nothing about 
um, the black codes. Uh, mm-hmm. I knew nothing about the only person that they taught us about was Booker T. Washington. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he was nonviolent mm-hmm. and he believed in the labor aspect of it, mm-hmm. of, of black people achieving um, equality. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the the various massacres mm-hmm. that occurred after the Civil War, mm-hmm. the the enslavement of black people, mm-hmm. the 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 black um, the pig laws. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing because they didn't teach us that, and mm-hmm. they didn't teach us that because they didn't want us to know that. Now, mm-hmm. here is my take on this critical on this objection of some state legislatures and and or. Um, um, school boards objecting to that. Mm-hmm. I, when I look at the um, worldwide protest over the death of George Floyd mm-hmm. at the hands of, on the, at the, on the, uh, because of the knee of Chauvin being placed on his neck for nine minutes and twenty five seconds, mm-hmm. I saw a significant number of young Caucasians in those protests. Mm-hmm. And I think that they see that what has happened to us over the last 400 years is categorically wrong. Mm. And I think that that desire not to have uh, the truth told mm-hmm. about the history of this country is, in fact, a platform which they intend to use to say, well, you see, we didn't do anything wrong, Mm -hmm. and I didn't do it, so you have nothing to feel guilty about. Mm -hmm. Who the hell you don't? (laughs) You you didn't do it personally, Mm -hmm. but your ancestors certainly did. Absolutely, And, 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 and you are reaping the benefits of... Absolutely. uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, there's a... Uh, there's a case here for reparation. That'll mm-hmm. be uh, in, in in volume three. That'll be partly in volume three. Mm, oh, good. You know, let me let me just interrupt you for a moment because that is where I was going to go with the whole reparation angle. Because then I feel like they can use that as an argument against reparations, against you know uh, uh, seriously considering it. And for that reason, is why I fight to include it because you have to understand that this this is a system uh, a system that has been designed for the sole purpose of oppressing a, one group of people you know what i'm saying Absolutely. and so how can you Absolutely. not yeah. uh address uh you know the need for repairing that group of people i mean that doesn't make sense to me no it does not it yeah. does not mm. and I don't, I don't, um, I don't buy into the theory that well because I didn't do it, I'm mm-hmm. not liable. Mm-hmm. Um, as you say, you've reaped the benefits, right. and this country is still practicing, in part, or a a a derivative of that. Mm. And let me give an example. In a number of these employment discrimination cases, I have to engage in what is called discovery. Mm-hmm. And then you get to do, uh, you, you secure documents from the various agencies, especially federal agencies, and you see people, you, you, you get to determine who's making what mm-hmm. and what their pedigree 
what pedigree put them in the position to make that. Invariably, invariably, mm-hmm. uh, people who are people of color, mm-hmm. who are more qualified or equally qualified, make less yeah. than those people who are Caucasian. Mm-hmm. That is systemic racism. Absolutely. That is economic deprivation because mm. if I am just as qualified as you, mm-hmm. I should be making the same thing that you make if we're doing the same job. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. You know, um, our conversation, <laughs> well, I think we just scratched the surface of the book, uh, but we're coming on, coming up on 55, 56 minutes. <laughs> I know. So, I, I mean, I and I had so many, so many, uh, I mean, and I just, I, I listed 10, but I have so many other questions um, to ask you uh, regarding your, your book. And I understand because we, we, spoke briefly before setting up this conversation and you said that you were actually going to have four volumes three three volumes okay including this one yes okay yeah Yeah. and and i'm telling you if you you like we get to do this again well see that's (laughs) where i was going and but you know what i i think i want to have it more focused as in okay. I want to take, you know, a, a topic and I want to really flesh it out, you know, because, okay. you know, right. This, you know, we, I, you know, we were talking about different different things. Um, but of course, the main subject, you know, it's all tied in. But I want to take, you know, a specific topic and really uh, dive into it and really provide not only myself with education on it, but our listeners as well, because, you know, like for me, I'm just now, I've just been in my own little world. I'm not going to lie. I've just been in my own little world, you know, living my own little quiet life. And, you know, there are things that have been popping up around me and I just didn't pay attention, but you know, you get to a point where you can't not pay attention anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now I'm Mm -hmm. on this this it it's been like the last maybe ten years, and I I, I still I say that I'm still new because it's been a progression. But now I'm like, okay, you know, I want to know more. I need to be able to understand why these systems are in place and why, you know, there is an attack in my mind. There is attack on seemingly one group of people or the minority group. And you can put whoever you want to in the minority group. This show is for black people. So when I say minority, I'm talking about black people because, it, you know, all these other groups, they, you know, they have their fights and that's great. And I, I recognize them. But it seems like for us, when we start to merge our struggles, we still get left behind. And that's a, I have a problem with that. You, you know what I'm saying? Well, you should. Mm-hmm. You should. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely... You know, I want you to come back as often as you want. Um, When we uh, conclude our conversation, um, I'm going to text you and uh, see, you know, when you want to come back, because I'm very serious about this. I I want to, um, you know, not only, like I said, educate myself, but, you know, there are other people out there that are just like me that are like, wait a minute, there is something wrong. I don't know quite what it is. And there is like there's this racial thing and what, what is it? And why is, why is it the way it is, you know, or uh, I can't mm-hmm. even identify it, 
you know, help me to identify mm-hmm. it, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, I thank you. I thank you for the book. I do want the hard copy though, because it was, it was difficult for me to read it, you know, on my phone or on the computer. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> it was difficult, but it's not because of the subject. It's because of the scroll, the mm-hmm. scrolling. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, um, when you text me, text me your address, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll put a hard copy in the mail for you. For I, sure. Yeah, well, on the on that little document that I, I emailed you, uh, emailed to you, there's mm-hmm. my address yeah, is I on there. That, yeah, there's a post. There's a post office. Yeah, box there. yeah, yeah. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So well, absolutely, I will, I will. I will do that today. Well, listen. This is how I happen to end all the shows, and it's it's really true. Um, I ended with. Uh, now I'm getting ready to go get something to eat. And it's very true because I have not, I've not had breakfast or lunch and I am starving. Are you getting ready to eat lunch or have you a- eaten already? Well, uh, me missing a meal or two is not going to help me that much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I'm probably okay. in the same boat, but I'm going to eat anyway. How about that? <laughs> All right. That's good. But yeah. Um, but I, yes, I'm definitely going to, um, text you and I I want you to come back on the show. And what I'll do is, um, actually I'll let you, I'll let you, um, maybe we could take a, you know, topics out of the book. You know, you, you tell me what you want to talk about because I want to, I want to learn about it all. And, uh, and we just, we have a, a deep discussion about it. All right. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Brown, for your time and and just sitting with with me and the the Enso family. And, you know, we're really going to, uh, you know, wait a minute. How can we reach you? You know, I know how I can reach you, but how can, you know, though our family reach out to you and, and purchase the book and, you know, how, whatever else, whatever uh, uh, contacts can Go ahead. The book is available. The book is available on Amazon.com. Okay, great. Okay, the hard copy and, mm-hmm. and Kindle. Okay. Now, you can also um, purchase the book if you go to the webpage, and that webpage is www.edwardbrown. E S Q. Mm-hmm. dot com. That, you click on that. Mm-hmm. Hit the enter. Hit the enter button, mm-hmm. and you must hit the enter button. Go to the search bar. Put that in the search bar. Hit the enter button, and instructions will come and tell you how to purchase the book. You purchase it uh, PayPal or credit card. Okay. Okay. Just second end. Okay, and um, to purchase, and so <clears throat> that that webpage address again is www.edwardbrownesq.com. Right, all lowercase letters. Mm-hmm. And the book is also available at Amazon. Amazon. In the hard copy and uh-huh. Kindle. And Kindle. Okay. Um, do you want me to include an email address, or is this um, the information you've given sufficient? No, well, I do have an email address, but I don't. You don't need my email okay. address in order to get the book. Right, yeah. right, right. But um, yeah. So okay. you know, 
That that is a good. I mean, that's that's the two ways to get the book. Well, more than two ways, you can get it that way. Yeah. Right. Well, but, the, um, mm-hmm. in concluding, I want to thank you for allowing me to have a platform. Absolutely. To expound on what I deem is a very very vital mm-hmm. subject matter to the existence, to our very existence, as opposed to. Um, non-existent. Yeah, we're in very, very troubling times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Crow 202 is coming back, and we need to mount a challenge and a fight. Yeah, on every front. Right, right, absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. Let me just let me just circle back real quick, um, just because we're in the social media age. Um, Mm-hmm. And and I'm just gonna you know there may be somebody who may not let's say they've already they've already uh, purchased a book but maybe they want to reach out to you to um, expand you know your circle of influence <laughs> and maybe have okay. you on their show so is there are, do you want to include any contact information uh, Facebook Instagram yeah. Twitter okay go ahead yes um, you can contact me at. Uh... Ed Brown mm-hmm. Law Firm mm-hmm. at att.net. Okay. Uh, should, should I give a telephone number? Um, you know what? Um, I some people do. Um, I I'm always hesitant to do that. Um, if you're if you are active on your on your email, um, mm-hmm. I think that would be great because you just never know with the whole email, uh, with the whole phone number thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But if you're comfortable, then I'll definitely include it in the show notes. Okay. Um, I do have a Facebook page. Okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, it's... Um, well, that's a good question. <laughs> hold on. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. Um, Facebook... Uh, um. Just go to uh, type in Edward Brown, mm-hmm. Edward M. Brown. Um, wait a minute. Let me make sure that is correct. Because I'm not. Now I'm not. I'm not media savvy. Not at all. <laughs> okay. Let me see. Uh, I'm trying to get down. Just bear with me. Oh yeah, no problem. Right, Take your time. Go, go to E. McKinley Brown. E. e the E mm-hmm. E um capital E mm-hmm. and then um space McKinley capital M mm-hmm. C capital K I N L E Y B R capital B R O W N. Oh, okay, let's see. Um I must have done something wrong. E McKinley Brown. Uh, let's see. I'm just doing a real quick search to make sure I can find to make you. Make sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not pulling you up. I have McKinley M M C capital K K I N L E Y Brown, right? Yeah, E. You got mm-hmm. the capital E. I do. Okay, yeah. I guess. It didn't pop up. Yeah, well, it's, 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 I got it, yeah. Huh. 
I tell you what, um, um mm-hmm. if you have your if you have your Facebook up already, uh, you know mm-hmm. that's gonna be difficult. Um, I'm you know I'm I'm I am pretty savvy. It's just for whatever reason I didn't find it right away, but I will mm-hmm. find it. And I'll send you a friend request and friend me because I, you know, I want to connect with you um, on Facebook as okay. well. And uh, do you have? I will, I will friend you. Yeah, I will friend you. And do you have uh, Instagram and or Twitter? No, I, I don't. Think right, that's too much, right? <laughs> well, you know, I, just, I told you I am not. I am not savvy <laughs> at all. Hey, I had to try. Okay, I had to try, but I will definitely. Okay. Um, I'll definitely locate and um, send you a friend request on on Facebook, and I'll include that in all of your contact information that you provided and how to purchase the book in our show notes. And I will text you uh, about, uh, you know, having you come back on like real soon. I, I want to, of course, it really depends on you, but I, I want you to come on as regular as you want, because I really do want to help, um, you know, uh, sp- spread the, the information um, so that we can all okay. become knowledgeable. So, yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I am um, very, very uh, available. Okay. Uh, I all I do now is get up in the morning, <laughs> have a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. water the flowers, then I go play golf. I come back <laughs> and I work a little bit. When I get the mode, I mm-hmm. work on volume two. Yeah. You just can't stop. You know, you can't. No. I'm saying I'm gonna set it set aside a couple hours a day to do that. Now you got to hit it when when it hits you. That's when you got to do it. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited about this connection and um, I'm going to, I'm going to let you go because then I'll get started again because this, it really does fascinate me, but I am also hungry though. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I I do want you to eat. Yes, I do too. Cause I'm, I'm I'm fading fast, but yeah, get, just give me a couple of hours to uh, get, you know, to text you. Um, Sure. Yeah. But we, yeah, yeah. But this is definitely, definitely going to happen. I appreciate your time again, Mr. Brown. And I appreciate you having me. Yes. Yes. And you have an awesome day today. Okay. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. This week in Black Renaissance, I would like to take a moment to discuss what's going on or what's happening in corporate America. Last fall, J.P. Morgan Chase announced a $30 billion five-year commitment to the advanced racial equity with a focus on Black and Latinx communities. So basically what they're doing is they are pumping dollars into minority communities for the sole purpose of um creating more opportunities um for those communities and those uh, those opportunities will likely come or not even likely but they're earmarked to um come in the way of um providing um or improving access to affordable housing and home ownership to capital and mentoring for small business small business owners and growing um the 
a pipeline or the pipeline of black talent across all levels, particularly amongst senior level positions in their organization or at their at their company in particular. Um, some of these funds have been uh, pumped into um, communities um, in Louisiana through the Louisiana-based Liberty Bank of Trust, um, through North Carolina-based M&F Bank, New York-based Carver Federal Savings Bank, and Los Angeles Bank, uh, Los Angeles-based Broadway Federal Bank, and they are said. And when I say they, meaning J.P. Morgan Chase, um, they are said to um, that they have increased their total investment to $75 million, which would generate an access to over $750 million in community lending. They go on to say, We're, uh, we'll expand our target to include Latinx-led MDIs and announce new investments this summer. This is really great. They, you know, And let me also tell you about this. They're also... They have committed to um, into mentoring talent um, to black-led financial institutions. Um, it goes on to say, um, through their Advancing Black Pathways, or APB, fellowship program, which consists of college underclassmen, um, the students are assigned summer sprint projects in support of black-owned businesses, including banks. Um, since the project's inception in 2019, ABP fellows have helped black financial institutions to better engage consumers through projects focused on digital marketing, market expansions, talent development, and more. This is really a great um, opportunity, but you know, I, I'm not going to give JP Morgan Chase too much clout because after all, <laughs> they built their bank on our backs, quite literally. So this is like the very, very, very least that they can do. But, you know, we will go ahead and take advan uh, advantage of, uh, you know, these funds that they <laughs> that they feel led to pump back into the black communities after draining it out, of course. But anywho, uh, I would say that for you, those of y'all who are in those communities where those monies are being pumped into those banks, make sure that you... Um, you uh, connect with those banks, see how you can take part of that. Make sure that you hold them accountable, that they are doing, um, you know, what they claim to to do with the invested funds, um, that it is going into the communities and uh, into its residents and make truly making a difference in uplifting, uplifting the people in those communities. So, you know, we we applaud the efforts. Um, we applaud those um, uh, black individuals that are, you know, spearheading this. And that would be, or maybe not even spearheading, but at least um, being an influencing agent um, in that corporation or at the corporation. That would be Brian Lamb, who is uh, Chase's global head of diversity and inclusion. And Miss Brenna Elliott, who is the head of Advancing Black Pathways. So, um, and then, you know, also hold them accountable as well. We got to not only hold um, these corporations accountable, but we need to hold each other accountable to make sure that, um, you know, that we are 
not only doing what we say we're going to do, but that we are also uh, receiving what we're supposed to receive. Okay. So anyway, um, I will put a link to the article in the show notes and please take a moment to read and digest the information. And again, if you're in those areas, um, get connected because those dollars don't work if they're not using it for the people that are in those communities. And if you're of that community, make sure that you figure out how you can partake in that. And this has been a moment in black Renaissance. Wow, everybody, that was an awesome conversation. And I promise you, I had just, okay, so what I did was I, you know, I sent him, you know, a list of questions that, you know, to help our conversation move along, right? But I didn't even touch half of the questions. I never do, to be honest with you. But this is like really the first time where I'm like, oh, God, there's so much more I want to discuss with Mr. Brown. So he is definitely going to come back. And it's, I know I say this about everybody. And most of them do come back, but he is definitely coming back. And we're going to make this a regular uh, time of discussion with Mr. Mr. Brown, because we do need to know. We need to understand um, how this uh, systemic or let me let me break it down. How this how these systems are put in place, especially with regards to the judicial and the 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 the. well, the legal system in general, um, he's just, you know, I was reading the book and I, I encourage you to get the book. I'm reading the book and the chapters, they are really small. Like they are a couple of pages long or whatever, but yeah, listen to me or whatever. They're a couple of pages long, but there's so much information in those few pages. I'm telling you it's, and it was hard for me to, to read it only because you know I'm looking at a, a screen and I'm scrolling you know and it's when I'm reading I you know I'm old school I gotta have a, a, a book where I can turn the pages and I can actually write on the page and and you know um, I'm old school like that so it was difficult for me to read because of the physical part of it but it really is a book that is hard that you know it's it keeps you it keeps you engaged and I'm telling you I just I can't wait to get them back I know it sound excited I am excited and I cannot wait to read his volume two and volume three um you know this is valuable information so you know guys I I I invite you to uh, stay connected if you haven't uh, subscribed to the podcast make sure that you do so we are on almost every major platform if you um, are listening on a platform that provides a rating system please rate us give us a five-star rating so that we will become more visible to new listeners who are looking for content just like this make sure that you share with a friend Uh, make sure that you hit us up on our websites we have one um that you will uh that is available when you uh when you locate us or you listen through any of the platforms but we also have another website that i am making um making available in the show notes and it's still not 100 percent all together but it's it's at a point where you can um 
where you can visit it. And in either on either of the websites, you're able to um, provide financial support if you choose to. We ask that you do because we are um, building or creating a budget so that we can hire professionals to help in some of the areas that we desperately need help in. Um, what else do I need to? Oh, you can reach out to us uh, via Facebook and Instagram at Natural Soul Conversations or In Soul Conversations. Either one will get you to the same spot. You can also reach out to us via email if you have any questions about this show or any of our past shows, or if you have suggestions for uh, topics that we can um, that could be the subject of our conversation. You can reach out to us at InSoulConversations at gmail.com. That's N-S-O-U-L conversations at gmail.com. And I believe that's all for today. I, like I said, I'm going to get something to eat because I'm hungry. Listen, until the next time we meet, keep the conversations going. <laughs>